Hey, remain standing. I want you to look in your Bibles, if you would, to Ecclesiastes. That's where we've been for this uh, series. Uh, and uh, if you guys don't know me, uh, my name's Brad, and I'm the pastor. So glad you're here. If I didn't get to say hi to you uh, earlier, if I didn't get a chance to meet you, right after the service, Laura and I were always back by the doors, and we would love to connect with you. Hey, one of the best ways to connect with us is through those uh, Next Step cards that are in the chair back in front of you. You can put your prayer requests on there. Uh, if you recently made a commitment to follow Jesus and be baptized, we want to help you with that. We want to set that up for you. So put that on there as well. However we can be of a help to you, you have walked into a place where we believe in the hope, the healing, the peace, and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Amen? So this series is called Playlist, where we look at these different songs that are popular in our culture. And if you are new and you're like, this is weird, why are they not singing hymns or something? I don't understand what's going on. Listen, we just believe that um, all music is from God. But what happens is we as people can pervert the very thing of God. We see that in all areas of our lives, and we see that over again, over and over again in music. But we believe that God can speak through anything. We believe God has messages through some of these songs and uses people to write songs for our generation. And I think God has a message for us today. And so we've been looking at this guy named Solomon. And let me catch up to speed on that. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm in the New Living Translation. So if you don't have a Bible, download Version, a great app for you. Uh, so if you've been a part of this series, you know who Solomon is. But if you don't, let me help you with that. Solomon is the king of Israel. And he has been granted wisdom like nobody else in human history. God gave him wisdom. Nobody before him, nobody after him has ever been as wise as Solomon. But as we've learned through the series, he wasted wisdom. He didn't make a lot of good choices. And now here he is at the end of his life. And this book, if you've been reading this, we're reading through Ecclesiastes as a church. And Laura walked in the other day. She just walked through the kitchen and she said, wow, that was a real pick-me-up today. Thanks, Solomon. And it, it is a hard read because he is depressed, he is bitter, he's a bit jaded. It's as if he has, have you ever been around somebody like this? Like they have seen so, they've gotten so focused on the negative, they can no longer see any of the good that God is doing in their lives. This is what's happening to Solomon. That's the, by the way, that's the danger of depression, by the way. That's the danger of when we get into that place is we can no longer see the good. So that's the bent that Solomon comes from. In fact, uh, the Hebrew scholars were like, hey, how about we not even put that in there? Like, they didn't want to put this in the Hebrew Bible because it is just a little bit disturbing when you read it. But I think we can learn from Solomon from where he's coming from. So here he is at the very end of the book in verse 8, and here he says it again, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. Come on. Life is not meaningless. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to understand that. We know that's not true, but this is the spot. This is the place he finds himself in. He says, keep this in mind. The teacher, he's talking about himself, was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many Proverbs. and In fact, he wrote them, and that we have that book. It's called Proverbs. He studied them. He classified them. And the teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. That's, what, that's why we love the book of Proverbs, because the, the wisdom of God is just so clear what you should do. Unfortunately, Solomon didn't always take his own advice. He says the words of the wise, they're like cattle prods. They're painful, but helpful. 
their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. Now that can give you some insight into Solomon why he did not take his own wisdom. Because wisdom isn't always fun. Come on, turn to somebody right now and tell them, wisdom isn't always fun. It's not. Foolishness is fun. Come on, turn to somebody and say, foolishness is fun. But turn back and say, but foolish. But it's, but it's foolish. And so he's in this spot. And he says, uh, let me give you some further advice. Be careful. For writing books is endless and much studying wears you out. Can I get an amen from the students here today? That's the whole story. I like that. He says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. And so good he ends with this. Fear God and obey his commands. It's like Solomon's just miserable. Things have not gone well. He's struggling, but he has a moment of clarity and he says, oh yeah, no matter what, fear God, obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Let's pray and then I'll let you be seated. Father, thank you uh, for this rich time of worship. Thank you for how you're moving amongst us as people. Thank you for the, the words that we're going to look into today to try to get some clarity into our own life and into our own things that we're dealing with. And so we ask right now that you would just speak to each one of us. Each one of us, we, you have a word. We want to be people who are wise in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. all right, you may be seated. So at the beginning of chapter 12, as he's concluding his thoughts, Solomon says these words. He says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and you say, life is not pleasant anymore. Like when, when, you're, when you're young, you remember when you were young, some of you are still young, but some of you are not so young, but do you remember when you were a kid and, and you were, as Solomon says, you were full of excitement? Like there's nothing, there's nothing better than a child's imagination. Do you remember getting lost in your imagination? Do you remember that with a child, what's amazing about a child, what's the excitement of youth is dreams have no boundaries when you're a kid. You can be whatever you want to be. That's why I like this song. I like the lyrics of this song. Look what he says at the beginning. He's like a child, and he says, I've been reading the books of old, like the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, and Hercules and his gifts, and Spider-Man's control, and Batman with his fist. Like when you're a child, your imagination can be endless. You can be whatever you want to be. Now, if you were here uh, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about how when my grandkids came, we took one of the rooms upstairs and we turned it into this big playroom. And, and the focal point of this playroom is this chest right here. This is what my grandkids live for. Not only them, but anytime any kids come over to the house, we'll have some of the staff kids over. Eric, who uh, just sang a moment ago, his kids came over yesterday and his three boys, man, they jumped off their bikes. They ran across the lawn, through the front door, boom, 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 up the stairs and into the room and the chest, they were like, where's the chest? 
where's the chest? They came running back down the stairs and they're like, Pastor Brad, where's the chest? What are you doing with the chest? I said, hey guys, it'll be back. I'm bringing it back. It's, I'm using it for, for a sermon. Isaac, who's five, he looks right at me and he said, you better bring it back. <laughs> Love that. But it's, it's an amazing chest because in this, in this chest is just an endless assortment of imagine it. You can be anything you want to be. You want to be a pirate. You can be a pirate. Um, you want to be Darth Vader. You can be Darth Vader. You want, you want to be, uh, be Spider-Man. You can be Spider-Man. You want to be the greatest football team in the history of the world. You can be that. You can be 0 and 2. Um, You'd be Iron Man. That's what's so cool about being a kid. It's like they just, they put the mask on and they are no longer that person, are they? I mean, they are no longer themselves. They become Iron Man in that moment. I mean, there's butterfly wings in here. Who doesn't want to put on butterfly wings and just flutter around? I know I do. And I mean, and for, even for girls, if you look at, look at this, look at this here, huh? Look at this princess dress right here. Is this not? Yeah, and there are just like 30 of these things upstairs, these things. And my granddaughter put this on, and she's just twirling around. She's lost in this world, and, and she is not Peyton Sophia. She is Princess Sophia. I mean, she is, I'm Princess Peyton Sophia. I mean, she just became something else in that moment. There's just so many. You can be a, a ninja turtle. Um, and and, and was, what was great is when we were playing together with my grandkids and my grandsons, one of them was Spider-Man, the other one was Batman, and, and they grabbed uh, this Ninja Turtle costume. They said, Grandpa, put it on, put it on. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But then I remembered that in my closet, I had this. So I, I went downstairs. Yeah, and I, I put this bad boy on. I was like, oh, and they had no idea. I was downstairs, I was hiding in the closet, and, uh, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. I get a chance to be a kid again. Like, this is so cool. And I just put this bad boy on. And... <laughs> I should preach in this. I should... Uh... This is not the costume. These are my abs. So uh, just in case you're wondering. Uh, so, no, so I came downstairs, and, and, and there was my grandsons. One was Spider-Man. The other was Batman. And their eyes were like, oh, my gosh, Grandpa. And, then, and, and the, the battle was on. Spider-Man and Batman versus Superman. Only this battle was fun to watch and exciting and not boring and wasn't as long and as lengthy and as expensive. This one was, a, was actually very short because I, the stamina of this Superman just quite isn't there. But it was so much fun. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Is he going to preach in that the whole time? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. Because the truth is, is that as we become an adult, we, we just kind of look at this kind of stuff as it's childish. And it's kind of ridiculous, you know. And so we realize when we become adults, our imagination kind of goes away and we we realize that I'm, you know what, I'm just not, I'm not that super. In fact, I gotta, I gotta get up in the morning and take the trash out. So I'm, I'm not that 
super. And all these dreams and all these ideas that we had, we just kind of just kind of stick them in the in the trunk and we just kind of just kind of close the lid. And we settle for ordinary. Man, life has a way of crushing your hopes and your dreams. Like life has a way of saying, oh yeah, uh, yeah, Hercules and Achilles and, and Spider-Man and Batman, uh, you're, you're not up upon that. You're not on that, that list. You're, you're not on it at all. But what I want you to know today is that God has put greatness inside of you. There is greatness inside every single one of us. There, there is a purpose for your life. Life is not meaningless. Life can have meaning, and God has put meaning and purpose and greatness inside each one of us, waiting to be opened and given as a gift to the world. So what are you doing with that? Solomon here six times in the first part of chapter 12, after he talks about this idea of don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator and honor, honoring God, and he says life is not pleasant anymore. But six times after that, he, say, he says over and over again, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Like What I love is he saved the best advice for last. See, Solomon, Solomon became king at a very young age. Most scholars believe he was probably about 20 years old when he became king of all Israel. I mean, you want to you talk about the excitement of youth. I'm 20 and I'm in charge of everything. That's pretty exciting. And so Solomon is super stoked. He's super excited. And he has incredible success. We've, we've kind of documented this the past few weeks. He, I mean, you want to like, talk about like Hercules and you, you talk about Achilles and the, the gifts and the gold. And, and what you see is Solomon, Solomon could be on that list. He was that great. But, but in many areas of his life, he didn't take his own advice where he said, don't forget your creator honor him. And in so many areas of his life, Solomon did not honor God. We, we talked about that, how just how he could look outside of his palace. He could stand on the balcony of the palace that he built for the glory of God, and he could look out over the hillside and see idol after idol after idol after idol to other gods. He wrote the book of Proverbs and said, hey, be careful when you marry and be careful and, and be wise in the woman that you choose. But did he, was he wise at all? Did he take the advice God had given him? No, he decides, I'm going to have 700 wives. God's like, I don't want you to have 700 wives. He's like, I'm going to have as many wives as I want because I can have as many as I want. And on top of that, I'm going to have 300 concubines, okay? That guy's a fool. I'm just telling you, one wife is hard enough for me to keep up with, okay, let alone 700. Oh, man, you men don't say amen on that. Just sit there and say, he don't know what he's talking about at all. He, he, listen, so Solomon, he, he had an opportunity to, to do great things and honor God as a king, but he took advantage of people. 
He enslaved people to build the very temple of God. He, he took advantage of other kings and manipulated things and kind of stole from them and gave them something that was not a very high value. He abused his power. He forgot the very one who had given him power, the one who had given him uh, fame, the one who had given him prosperity. He had truly wasted wisdom. Life had become all about him. Here he is at the end, and the reason he's feeling this way, his life's become all about him, and, and he's just, it's just all about his fame, all about his glory, all, all about his greatness, and what can I do for me? And in the end, he found that life was not pleasant anymore. Life was meaningless. And now here he is near the end of his life, and he's kind of self-reflecting, and he's saying to his children and the people of Israel, he's basically saying here, don't do what I did. Have you ever said that as a parent? If you're a parent, have you ever found yourself saying that or thinking that for your child? When you, you know all the stupid stuff you did when you were 20, like you know all the dumb stuff that you did when you were 12, you know all the dumb stuff you did, and you're like, don't do what I did. I, I don't want you to have the same problems and the same struggles that I did. And Solomon says, remember your creator. I like this word creator because here in this particular context, um, the, the Hebrew word here that's used for creator is this idea of taking something and shaping it into something new. Taking something that already kind of exists, but shaping it into something new. The, the, the Hebrew writers say it's like taking a, a branch and molding and shaping it into an arrow. Like taking something that really has no meaning, really has no use, shaping it into an arrow that suddenly now it has purpose and it has meaning. You ever seen a, a, a child with a stick in their hand? When a, when a child picks up a stick, it is no longer a stick, is it? I mean, it's like a lightsaber. Vroom, 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 vroom. It's, I mean, it's, or, or it's a gun. If a boy gets a stick, it is a gun, right? Oh, we don't have guns in our house. We, our children don't play with guns. Then keep them away from sticks. Because every boy will pick up a stick, and it becomes a gun. Or they pick up a stick, and it becomes a magic wand. Bling, bling, bling. I mean, just turning whatever they want into whatever they want. It's, it's like in that moment when a child picks up a stick, it's like it becomes something else, and they go into a different world, and suddenly they are the hero. And suddenly they can conquer anything. And suddenly they, they have a purpose. And, and I am going to avenge the wrong that has been done and make things right again. Listen, you in the hands of God have purpose and have meaning. If you're taking notes, I, I want you to write this down. This is what I want to talk about for a few minutes here is in the hands of God, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. In the hands of God, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Jesus comes on the scene about a thousand years after Solomon. And one of his disciples named John, he, he wrote these words down that Jesus spoke in John 15, 6. I like the way Jesus says it. He says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like what? Say this with me. A what? Useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. 
This is the enemy's plan for you and I. This is what he wants for your life. He wants your life to be meaningless. He wants you to be a branch that just withers away. He wants all of your dreams to stay locked up inside of you. But in the hands of God, your life can find purpose, it can find meaning, it can find direction. A branch can become an arrow to be used for the good of God. This is Solomon. Like Solomon, his whole life was not wasted. He made mistakes, he did things wrong, but he lost completely lost sight of all in which the ways that God had used him. Like when Solomon used his wisdom well, and when he was in the hands of God, God used him to build the palace. God used him to build an incredible temple to the glory of God. God used him to build this wall around that palace and around that temple to protect the children of Israel. God used Solomon to go out and rebuild cities that had been broken down and destroyed, and he rebuilt them for the glory of God. Why? Because he had placed himself into the hands of God. When you place yourself in the hands of God, greatness will explode out of you. You will do things that you never imagined that you could do because in the hands of God, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. That's why at Core Church we say all the time, we believe that every person was created on purpose for a purpose. It's so easy to believe that for someone else, but not for ourselves. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself on that list, that whole uh, Achilles and Solomon, Batman, Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, no, not me. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm ordinary. Uh, I, it's not really, there's not really greatness in me. I mean, there's greatness in other people, but, but I mean, come on, look at this. Seriously, like, I, a few weeks ago, I uh, had forgotten my lunch, and I was rummaging around the office refrigerator trying to find something to eat. Um, I was going to steal, I mean, I was going to borrow and replace whatever <laughs> I could find. <laughs> uh, but have you ever done that, like rummaged around the office refrigerator for something that's been there a while, that you're like, nobody's going to care about this. And I managed to look deep in the, in the freezer, and there were some frozen hot dogs uh, that were left over from a barbecue from I don't know when. Uh, that was my first mistake right there. So I, I got the hot dog out and, and I got it uh, ready and, and I was like, okay, all I need is, you know, I just, I don't, there's no hot dog buns, but I'll just cook a couple hot dogs and I just need some ketchup and some mustard. And so I opened up the refrigerator in the office and I started looking around in the refrigerator for um, just ketchup and, and mustard. And I, I could, uh, I found ketchup, but I kept looking and I couldn't find mustard. And as I began to look in the refrigerator, I started noticing that everything in the refrigerator was expired. Everything in our refrigerator. There was Italian dressing from 2014. There was ranch dressing that had expired in 2015. There was barbecue sauce that had that gross, boogery, crumbly, sticky thing. I used barbecue sauce. I should not. 
It didn't have an expiration date on it. It felt like it was safe, you know. <laughs> Bad idea. So I cleaned everything out of that refrigerator and just like threw it all away. I think this is what happens to so many people is they, they just kind of sit on the shelf and then they, they kind of just sit there and they just kind of wait for life to expire. They don't see that they have anything in them that could ever be used. You're like, I'm not, I'm not ketchup or, or mustard. I'm like, I'm like tartar sauce. That's what I am. Like nobody wants me. You know, maybe once, but nobody will ever use me again. One time, they'll never use me again. And that's how we feel. We just feel like I'm never, ever going to be used by God. And the enemy comes in in that moment, and he reinforces that thought. He reinforces that thought in your life that your life is meaningless, that there is no purpose for you, there is no plan for you. But I like the words of this song because in this song, I feel like it's almost like God speaking over us. And it says this, I, I, I think these are like the words of God. Just imagine God speaking this. And he says, I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman gifts, some superhero, some fairy tale bliss. I, I want something just like this. In, in other words, God's, God's looking for ordinary that's what God's looking for. Like when you look at scripture, the Bible is anything but fairy tale bliss. Like if you think that this Bible is nothing but superheroes, you've not read it. Okay? These are about the most ordinary people, the most dysfunctional people that have just really jacked up past to make a lot of mistakes, a lot of struggles. They couldn't be more ordinary, but could not have been used more by God in extraordinary ways. I mean, just take a few of them. For example, there's this lady named Rahab. You don't know who Rahab is. In the Old Testament, there's a story about Rahab, and she's a prostitute. Would God use a prostitute? How is God going to use it? She's in prostitution, okay? She's not been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and set free from her sin and, and walked away and been purified, and now she's going to be used by God. No, she is in the midst of selling her body. She is turning tricks, and God uses her to get the children of Israel into the promised land. How crazy is that? That ain't fairy tale bliss. That ain't a princess dress, okay? Fast forward. Solomon, his dad's name, David. Some, most of you know who David is. David, King David. I mean, he got a star named after him for Pete's sakes. How amazing are you when you get a star named after you? King David, he doesn't start out that way. He's a shepherd in the field way off in the distance. His dad hasn't even thought about him. His the, they're coming, they're looking for the next king, and, and, and Jesse lines up all of his sons, and they're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, you got anybody else? And, and dad's like, ah, <laughs> David. Hey, David, come here. There's no way, David. And God chooses some guy, young kid, out in a field somewhere to become the greatest king that Israel would ever know. It's a young girl. Her name is Mary, and she's in this 
forgotten village that nobody ever goes to. It's just a dirt ball of a town. And an angel visits her and says, guess what? You are favored by God and the Messiah is going to come through you. Do you know what all three of those people have in common? All three of them are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Like a prostitute is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. A sheep herder is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. A teenage girl in a forgotten town is in the lineage of Christ. Why? That's on purpose to remind us today that no life is meaningless. Every life matters. Every life is ordinary, but in the hands of God, the ordinary can become extraordinary. Uh, Yeah. So 10 of you believe that. The rest of you are going to get on board here in just a moment. I'm telling you, it's so hard for us to believe this for ourselves, but we miss out on so much of what God has for us. I mean, right after Jesus, he comes, and we're going to talk about this here in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about how he called this guy named Peter, and Peter teams up with John, and they go out and they start sharing the gospel, and they get arrested for sharing the gospel. And I like what it says about them in, in Acts 4.13. They're standing before the council And they're kind of on trial, and it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were, they were what? Man, that's good news. Like, I got a shot. (laughs) I got a shot. Come on, tell somebody behind you, I got a shot. I got a shot. I mean, man, they're ordinary. I'm ordinary. I'm in good company. We are all ordinary. Come on, tell three people right now, high five them and tell them you are ordinary. You are ordinary. You are ordinary. And that is good news. That is good news because you are perfectly positioned for the extraordinary that God has for you. I mean, so it says this, they were ordinary men and they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They're ordinary, no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as what? Oh, here it is. What? Say this with me. Men who had been with Jesus. That's the key right there, church. Men who had been with Jesus. Like when Jesus gets a hold of your life, when you put your life in the hands of Christ, there's no telling what he can do with that branch, with that ordinary thing, and what he could craft it in for his greatness. So Solomon, let's go back to Solomon's story, and he says this. Here now is my final conclusion. Say this with me. Fear God. And obey his commands. Come on, one more time, church. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Now, now we don't like that part. We don't like scriptures like that. Hang on a second. God's going to judge. No, God's not a judge. He just, everybody gets in. God's good. He's loving. He's kind. Everybody, he's sweet and nice, and everybody gets to pass. Everybody gets into heaven. He just overlooks all the bad stuff. He's like Santa Claus. He's just so good. This is why Solomon right here says, you got to fear God. We have lost the fear of God. And if you don't have the fear of God, you can't have greatness unleashed outside of you. Listen, here's the thing you have to understand. Here's why you need the fear of God, because God has placed greatness in you And when you fear God, you recognize, I have a responsibility to steward this greatness. Man, God has put greatness in me. 
And I live in fear of the almighty God for who he is and what he has put in me. And that says, man, I have got to be a good steward of what he has placed in me. This is Solomon. Solomon didn't do this. He lived for his own fame. He lived for his own glory. He lived lived for his own self-gratification. And in the end, he became bitter. He became angry. He became jaded. He became depressed. He says again in this book, it's all meaningless. 35 times Solomon says life is meaningless. When we live for ourselves, life is empty. And Solomon's right. It is meaningless. But when I place my life in the hands of God, the ordinary can become extraordinary. So often we, we equate purpose and, and meaning with um, fame and fortune and, and, and the spotlight. I got to do something amazing and like just blow people away. But what I like about Solomon here when he talks about fearing God, it's this idea of, of humility because I think the most meaningful acts happen outside the spotlight by, by some incredibly humble people. We have um, a class that we call Discover, that most of you are familiar with, and I hope you've gone through that, and if you haven't and you're new, you've got to go through that. If you wonder, do you have purpose and do you have meaning, get into Discover class next week. I don't know why you wouldn't do it, because every single person that goes through that class awakens to who they are in God. I mean, it just blows them away. You'll walk out of that class, you'll know your five gifts. You'll know that, that you have some greatness inside of you. So everybody who goes through Discover class can also go through what we call a Discover group, that Laura and I lead. It's a four-week group that follows up after that. And so we recently took a group of people through this Discover group. They met in our home, and, and we walked through what we call the cause assessment. And the cause assessment is just kind of unlocking a little bit of who you are. And it's been amazing every single week as we've gathered and watching people just begin to become alive and understand who they are in Christ. So we gathered, and we had our last class, and it was on experiences and the E in cause is experiences, and it's this idea that um, God, there's good and there's bad that's happened in your life, and God wants to use the good and the bad for purpose and for meaning in your life. And so one of the things you do in that assessment is you look at the good things and some of the bad things from your, your childhood. And over and over again, we had this common theme in our class that uh, people, when they were talking about the good of their, of their childhood, they kept talking about their grandparents, they talk about how amazing their grandparents were. And, and uh, we had we, one guy who said that, you know, my, my, uh, my great-grandpa was just incredible. Uh, he, he played uh, sports, and uh, his dad stopped coming to his games. I, I can't even imagine as a kid, your dad's not coming to your games. His great-grandpa had like a heart condition, wasn't really supposed to ever leave the house. You think that kept him from leaving the house? He'd get out his motor scooter. He tells this story about it. He gets out this little scooter, and he'd show up at the ballpark, the baseball field, right behind home plate. He'd be pitching, and grandpa would be right there yelling at the umpire, what's up with you? Then when he would get off the mound and he would go to the dugout, grandpa in his little motorized cart, over to the dugout to encourage him, to talk to him, to help him. That, that's greatness. 
We had it with someone else who shared, and she said that it was my grandma. She said, I'd go across the street, and she said, we'd pick taters. Me and grandma, we'd get in the garden, and we'd work. And she said, my grandma always had this thing she would say. She'd say, I'm big, and you're small, and that's why I take care of you. And she'd be like, no, grandma, I want to do it, and I want to take care of you. I want to do this. And she'd say, no, you're little, and I'm big, so I'm doing it, and I'm taking care of you. A few years ago, her grandma became frail and old, and, and she began to care for her grandma. And she was driving with her, her grandma, and she turned to her grandma, and she said, do you remember what you told me when I was little? She said, you know what, grandma? I'm big. Now you're little. Now I'm going to take care of you. That's greatness. That is greatness. That is purpose. That is meaning. That's the thing that Solomon missed here. Like, we are here for that purpose. We are here. We talk every week about this idea of hope and healing and peace and purpose. We are here to take hope, healing, peace, and purpose into the world. That's your greater purpose. That's why you exist. That's why you are here. And in the next few weeks, we're going to launch a series starting next week on this very subject where you can learn more about hope, learn more about healing and peace and you can learn about purpose. So I hope that you will come because this is just a launching pad for the new series that we are going to start next week as we discover all that we are in Christ and the impact that we can make on this world.